And welcome to 10 Ton Potato, the podcast where we talk about actual productivity on the Office 365 stack. I'm Brad, I'm joined by my co-host Craig, we're the co-founders of GT Consult, and we have a special guest today, Kyle Farr, Security Analyst at GT. Uh, Kyle's here to talk to us uh, about Microsoft Defender for Endpoint. And so if you're a beginner, an expert, a developer, or just a user, a potato lover or potato hater, this podcast is for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This is 10 Ton Potato, and we're talking Microsoft Defender for Endpoint. Carl, thank you so much for joining us. Craig, we are going to educate you. Thank you for having me. Without a doubt. I mean, as you guys know, I'm uh, focused mostly on development and uh, around that. So I've got a lot to learn today around uh, security. So I'm excited to hear what Carl what do you has mean to you, tell us. You don't think about security when you're in development. Surely, surely you should think about security all the time. All the time. But that's why we've got the likes of Carl helping us and advising us on what we need to do. So, yeah. And and the thing is, we put all of our uh, all of our assets into Azure, into Microsoft. They're all well uh, protected, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Microsoft takes care of everything. Excellent. So I'm assuming that uh, Microsoft Defender for Endpoint takes yes. care of everything, right? Excellent. So tell me, what is this? What so is I'm this just going to throw this up here. Um, this is something... When you know when you Google best antivirus software for 2024, um, what you'll notice is Microsoft Defender is not even on the list. All right, so this is immediately for me. What? Why would we choose something that's not on the list? But then, if you go, uh, you find this rating over here, which is Bit Defender versus Microsoft. Um, it's 4.4 stars with 1,442 reviews, so tons of people are using it. And then 4.6 for Bitdefender, which was the winner in the best antivirus space. Um, I'm confused uh, immediately, right? So, and, and this comes down to what ships with Windows is not what we're talking about today, right? Yeah, good old Microsoft naming, right? Uh-huh. So Microsoft Defender for Endpoint is not the Microsoft Defender that ships with Windows. They're two different things. Like they're related, but they're not the same. So we're talking the equivalent here of uh, OneDrive versus OneDrive versus OneDrive for Business all being completely separate separate things, right? So same confusion here with the yes. Microsoft Defender. I think, I think we, have to, we have to put okay. that out there straight away. Microsoft Defender for Endpoint is not the same as Microsoft Defender by itself. Microsoft Defender for Endpoint, you actually have to purchase um, and you have to run it out with Intune and Office 365. Right, Carl? That is correct. So, I mean, is, is it just another antivirus? Is it exactly the same as Defender with some other features? What, what is this thing that's uh, Microsoft uh, Defender for Endpoint? Well, it's so much better. It, uh, it is an antivirus if you want it to be an antivirus, but it, it has so much more uh, in terms of monitoring, managing, picking up vulnerabilities. Okay, so this is straight from the Microsoft Defender for Endpoint. 
uh, website. And this is the important part. Applies to uh, Defender for Endpoint, Defender for Endpoint Plan 1, Defender for Endpoint Plan 2, Defender Vulnerability Management, and Defender XDR. So once again, the Microsoft uh, Wizards, uh, licensing wizards have uh, gotten involved and the accountants have said, well, this must be this much money and this must be this much money. And here we have 75 plans to choose from. Um, but yeah, I think if we have a look at this specific area over here, um, this is the, the core defender vulnerability management, the attack surface reduction, the next generation protection, endpoint detection and response, automated investigation and mediation, and then Microsoft threat experts where you can actually, this is Craig's favorite thing, uh, plug into Microsoft SOC um, and their experts will identify what, uh, what's going on, which is pretty crazy considering that, what did it say here? Uh, Defender for Endpoint customers need to apply for the Microsoft Threat Experts Managed Threat Hunting Service to get proactive target attack notifications to collaborate with experts on demand. Like that's that's crazy. And you can start at 90 days. So what, what I'm picking up here. Like that's, that's, I think it's cool. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, so, so what I'm picking up here, so I get my beautiful new Microsoft Surface. It's got Windows Defender on it, and that defends me. But this endpoint protection seems to be more based around your enterprise where you are defending all of the devices that sit within your enterprise. Would that be correct? So that, that they're all standard, and you, you're laying your total risk across the, the entire enterprise. Yeah, definitely. And um, the visibility into that is is all tied into a platform that you're already using. Um, I think it just makes things so much easier, and it works just as good, if not better, than other antiviruses or security platforms. Okay, and, and and I suppose when you look at the the risks that we're seeing in the market at the moment, um, a lot of companies being held up with, for ransomware, etc., having to uh, fork out money to get their systems back. Uh, this becomes all more important for your your enterprise. So I think in, in this case, for me, that makes a lot more sense if you proactively monitoring all of the endpoints, as opposed to just worrying about your own individual device. I mean, worrying about your own individual device is always important, but uh, there are other things, right? There, there are other parts of your, your network, things like uh, routers, Wi-Fi, whatever. I'm not an infrastructure person, as you know. <laughs> so uh, maybe just tell us, tell us what, what other things this is, this is monitoring, what, what is it uh, keeping uh, safe? Absolutely everything. Um, you can go down straight all the way to users' cell phones, iOS and Android. Uh, it can check out your any sort of IoT devices that are on your network. And yeah, it, does, it can look at what firewalls, network appliances you have in place. Yeah, it does the asset discovery, right? Which So essentially, you roll, roll this out and each one of the endpoints become... Uh, a little scanning tool to identify other things on the network. Um, and so I like that because I, I deployed it in my house and I've got a ton of IoT devices. And straight away, it started telling me about the 
the risk of those IoT devices that had, you know, zero day attack. And so your your immediate yeah, asset discovery asset is there. Discovery. So it's like having a vulnerability assessment yeah. on demand all day, every day. Okay, which which is pretty cool. I mean, for I can see this for smaller organizations where you've got a lot more control of uh, what people are using, devices, etc. What in practicality, how does that work for a larger organization? Let's say we've got. 50,000 or even 3,000 employees, they're all coming into work, they're accessing their email, their teams, everything on their mobile devices, potentially also uh, they've got uh, tablets or whatever it might be. Um, and, and those change on a regular basis. People have upgrades on their, uh, their devices, they are in contracts where um, they, they get new, new devices on a regular basis. So how does this work in practicality in terms of rolling that out to your entire team to making sure that your environment is secure? I mean, does that asset tracking tool pick up all of those devices as they come on or, or how, how does that work? The uh, the asset uh, tracking, um, yes, it'll pick up network devices, um, but that's not what gets you enrolled. Um, your network policies will, if you are installing new machines, um, Windows machines, then you'll roll out group policies to get everything enrolled. If you're talking about cell phones, um, they need to be added to... Uh, Microsoft Intune before they will be enrolled in the the management and security sort of feature of the endpoint protection. Okay, so there, there is still some setup required in terms of policies and, and the like to make sure that um, everything is uh, correctly set up. And I'm, I'm sure there's, there's probably... Uh, exceptions that you can make to certain rules because of policies and only secure the things that are, are absolutely required. Absolutely. And if you want to go full tilt, um, you can also ensure that devices won't be able to access your corporate data and information unless they are already in, enrolled just for that extra layer of security. Okay. Brad, you brought up an interesting screen there. Can we take another look at that? Because I noticed a couple of things there that I thought were, were quite interesting around things like uh, the operating systems. And I noticed something called an exposure score. Mm -hmm. You find that interesting? I, I find it interesting. Whenever I see data, I always want to know what the underlying uh, information is. But uh, especially around that, uh, well, I, I, I obviously gauge from that uh, the browsers and the or the operating systems that is picking up like your phones with iOS, et cetera. But now you've also got that exposure score, which is obviously talking towards what is wrong within or right within your, your organization. Now, in Microsoft 365, what I'm obviously very aware of is the secure score, um, where it, it basically monitors how secure your Microsoft 365 in, environment is, and it gives you remediations, things like, making sure MFA is set up and making sure um, there, there are a whole bunch of uh, compliance governance rules in place around accessing systems. How, how does that differ to what's shown here? In terms first of, of all, as a developer, um, I am surprised 
at your knowledge around the Microsoft 365 Secure Score. It's almost as if you've heard it before and then just repeated it to me as if I've never heard it before. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, unfortunately, I know enough to be dangerous. I do dig around a bit, but uh, yes. But the exposure score right. is different to the secure score. And the exposure score, um, unlike the secure score, the secure score is more baseline. Here are 355 things you can do to, uh, you know, harden your network. The exposure score is we've scanned uh, your devices and these are the immediate vulnerabilities that exist. And this is your current exposure and risk. Um, and so this is actually, I believe, a little bit more important uh, than the secure score, because if your exposure score is 100, that means you're probably actively being hacked. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> okay, so that, uh, but it, it, it's like two sides of the coin. One is making sure that you're in the place so that you don't get hacked. This one's actually showing you the bigger threats around being hacked, which I think is extremely important. I, I also saw the button there, improve your score. So I'm assuming there's a whole bunch of remediation that it will Yeah, so it's just going to send you to a list uh, of all the devices it scanned. Um, and just like getting a good network scanner, it's going to bring back the version of uh, software that's running well, and then go, hey, we know that there's a CVE related to this. So you need to upgrade that. So I, I remember running it on mine. And um, what I quite liked was uh, there were certain versions of Notepad++ that were outdated and that it said that there was a vulnerability on that. And I was like, Notepad++, every time you open that up, it goes, would you like to upgrade? Every single time. Uh, and sometimes when you go, no, then this goes, oh, you should have done this because no, somebody found a weird way to exploit it and uh, it can take over your computer. Um, so I spent a, a day updating all my outdated software because that's, I mean, those are used for local privilege uh, escalation in most situations, right? And, and Notepad++ is extremely important. Well, have you noticed that especially you, for a developer. the new Notepad, Windows 1, They've tried to mimic Notepad++. So you get tabs now in Notepad. Um, anyway, that's a tangent. But um, Yeah. But either way, Visual Studio Code, here we go. Uh, drink that Microsoft Kool-Aid. Um, so what I'm, what I'm seeing here, you, you've got your devices, you come in, you're having them protected, etc. There needs to be some kind of sweet spot, right? They, you can't protect absolutely everything. Maybe you can, maybe you turn absolutely everything off unless absolutely required. And then you just deal with calls coming into IT to open things up because you can't actually do your work. So how do you physically decide on uh, what devices to include and uh, what kind of policies to to put out there. I mean, what what are the the kind of best rules around that or what what gotchas do you get when you actually... Well, I think before thing? we get into the gotchas, what's important is we're going to talk about the big G, uh, governance. So what, what does your organization uh, provide you in terms of devices? Um, if your organization provides you with a laptop that you run around with and it's company laptop, then you should have a baseline for that laptop to be protected, uh, for it to be encrypted, uh, for it to be remotely managed so that at any point in time, uh, if it 
disappears, you lose it, or you know someone steals it, you can wipe that machine and you know uh, make sure that it always has to have uh, some kind of biometric login. If you have your own phone and you're joining a company, um, and they go, look, if you want to, you can you can add uh, uh, your mail and Teams on here, so you can be in constant communication. You can wrap those um, in a baseline where you say that this device itself is not protected, but the apps on it are. So Outlook and Teams are protected. Therefore, if you load them up, it does have to go through a biometric login. It does need to do some kind of multi-factor in that space. Um, and if the device is lost, stolen, um, you can wipe Teams and Outlook from the device, but everything else on 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 the system should uh, on the on the device should be okay. Or you can go full tilt and be like, uh, lock down the device so that it can only have Outlook and Teams on it. Can have nothing else. You can't browse on it. You can't do anything else on it. Um, and if the device um, is stolen or lost, nuke it. So completely like it just does a factory reset and deletes absolutely everything. I think those are like that comes down to governments, but it, it is something that can be done from Intune uh, uh, deployment and then the endpoint protection management on baseline. So that's, you know, I think that puts a lot of calm in managing a lot of users when you can say this is the baseline protection management for Mac OS, for Windows, for Linux, for uh, iOS, uh, Android. I think there was once BlackBerry, I swear I saw it, but I double-checked again. Um, But yeah, you kind of create these baselines and roll them out per device, and then you aim for away because, you know, that's your company policy, that's what you're going to be doing. And then when you when a threat does uh, show up, it immediately checks the baseline and goes, "Is this threat reasoned? Yes, it is. Okay, notify um, uh, the security team or the support team or the engineers, and they can take it from there. And it's one place kind of management, which is great. The big thing is, I don't know if you've seen the list when creating a baseline. It is perilously long. And so there's this great site. Let me just share with you now. Uh, a number of people have spoken about um, Jeffrey Apple, um, also MVP on the security side of things. Uh, he's made a number of uh, blogs and uh, he chats a lot about the defender side of things. Um, he's got specific uh, information about filling in those baselines and so you can start it's, it's easier to start with one of his and modify it um then starting from scratch usually um i suppose the bigger you are the more, the more more people you have in your team but if if you're managing a smaller organization um to create a baseline you want to be able to use some experience and the other thing i found was sometimes the baseline questions are quite vague well, not questions, but the the options are quite vague. And so you'll be like, is this important or not? And then you have to go Google it and will Bing it or OpenAI it or whatever. And it takes you some time to figure out uh, that resource kind of has all of that. So I like that um, 
And so, yeah, with that, Craig, did that answer your question or did I completely miss? Yeah, most certainly. I, th- I think that gives us a good idea as to what, uh, what you're going to be deploying this to. But you bring up an interesting point there where you talked about having a large team managing this or a small team. I mean, who is this actually aimed at? And what sort of size of company? How does the licensing work to to manage the, this uh, this endpoint protection? Well, it's it's fairly clear from Microsoft. Um, less than three hundred seats, you can do Microsoft Defender for endpoint P one or Microsoft Defender for endpoint P two. Um, P one is the watered down version. It only has cross-platform on Mac OS, iOS, and Android, attack surface reduction, next generation protection, and centralized managed and partner APIs, which is quite a lot if you think about it. But P2 has all of that plus the threat and vulnerability management. And I think you want that threat and vulnerability management. It's got endpoint detection and response, which is, again, found something, let you know about it immediately. It's got automated investigation and remediation. This is what we were found running. This is what we did about it. This is what we're going to do to sort it out in the future. It's got threat analytics. This is what we found. This is what it looks like. This is where we think it comes from. It's got threat hunting with six months of data retention. So if you were breached and you want to find out when it was, up to six months, pretty good. And you have access to the Microsoft threat experts. Essentially, that's P1 and P2. If you have more than 300 users, straight away you've got to use Defender for Business. You can't even, they don't even allow you to to go P1 or P2. You have to go straight to Defender for Business. But Defender for Business has everything except for threat hunting with six months of data retention and Microsoft threat experts. Um, But I don't understand that exactly because... That's when you need the experts, <laughs> when you've got more than 300 seats. You know, the guys with less than 300 seats, they like phone up the experts, help. And they're like, all right, what's happened? And you're like, well, my mom was hacked, you know. And then you've, they're like, we're going to help you because you have less than 300 people. The people that are like, you know, 301. Hi, our organization is under attack, Microsoft Threat Expert. Yeah, but 301, bro. <laughs> you won over. I don't understand that. Have you turned yeah, it they off just, and on like, again? Go straight to the network cabinet with an axe and destroy it. You know, I think, <laughs> I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me that. Do you, do you think that's just because it's too complex or it seems, it seems very know. weird? That's, that's straight uh, from the Microsoft side. Honestly, uh, it, it just seems like uh, one of those things where, oh, you're a big company, so you can... You can still apply to have threat hunting and six months data retention if you if you want to pay an extra separate subscription. I think you nailed it there. I think it's more money, eh? Hey? Yeah, probably <clears throat> more money. Um, so yeah, that, I mean that's it. And you, you're looking at I think it's the same across the board, right? So for P uh, P two and uh, um, business, I think it's what is it five dollars. And then P1 is $3, something like that. It's not, it's not incredibly expensive for what you get, um, put it that way. And each license covers five devices. So you can put it on a phone, laptop, PC, you know, any, any five different devices. Not many people have more than five devices. 
Um, and the way that it works when you deploy it, it actually monitors other devices without even being deployed on them. So like my cameras at home or my um, my light switches, straight away it was like, these are outdated, outdated Tasmoda, which has vulnerability. And it's just like, oh my, okay. Not that they're connected to the internet, uh, but they are on the local network. So for lateral movement, if someone did manage to get themselves on my network, they could have deployed something dodgy uh, in my light switches, which could then obviously be used later. But um, I mean, that's how they hacked that Vegas casino. They, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They um, they put a they hacked the aquarium camera, and it was next to the roulette table. And then because they could work out how fast it was spinning and where the ball was, they could get get a good accuracy within ninety percent. Um, so you would say, you know, 16 and neighbors and you 90% of the time they'd win. And so they were just telling them on the floor when to do it. But the pit bosses is like, obviously no one wins at roulette this much. And eventually they got the information. <laughs> they hacked the, the camera at the casino and then put a live feed into an analytics machine to, to give them answers. So yeah, tangent. So the less intelligent your devices are in your organization, the uh, less likely it is for you to be hacked, I think is what you're saying. No, no more Wi-Fi so, globes. I don't know about that. The less um, intelligent uh, a smart device is, the more probability that you're going to be hacked. Um, I think there's no, there's no way around it. There are more IoT devices and more smart devices in our network all the time. Um, yeah, so you need to secure them. So this is now integrating with all. What, what about other Microsoft products? Where where does this fit in with uh, any of your other? Uh, because you you mentioned a number of different Defender um, options, but uh, I'm, I'm sure there. Well, you'll be glad to know, Craig. It, it, it integrates with Skype for Business. Excellent, because everyone's still using that. I've got uh, our Edge server sitting uh, behind. No, I don't. Um, who's still yes, using yes. Skype for Business? Is that even well, a thing? Well, it integrates with Skype for Business, so, you know, it must be a thing. Um, but obviously, what was the other ones that it does? Yeah, the one that I don't know is the Microsoft Defender for Office. Um, uh, Carl, do you know what that is? What's the difference between Defender for Office? Honestly, no. Yep. It already tells you if your, like, Office is, is insecure, but yes, uh office online that's a different story but remember back in the day you used to have um there was a antivirus for sharepoint specifically remember one of our clients had it yeah uh, and i'm wondering if it was this is an antivirus specifically for the office kind of side of things where it won't protect you from uh, what happens on windows but it will actually just protect the software itself i don't know we need to look into that one um but then obviously it, the big thing here is uh, for me, it's, it can play into Sentinel, right? And so Sentinel is your uh, extended uh, security operation center on Azure. Um, and so once you start plugging it into Sentinel, it just takes it to another level. Um, it does integrate with Intune. So being able to deploy it, uh, across the organization easy peasy 
And then Microsoft Defender for Identity. And so obviously it really integrates with Intra. But um, or AD for those of you who've just, you know, figured that out. Um, but uh, for identity, it's other authentication methods um, on your platform. So not everything goes through AD, obviously. And if you've put together an, uh, an authentication or identity management system, it can be plugged into that. Uh, you've got Defender for Cloud. So all of your cloud applications that are running. Um, so it, it can also do centralization of uh, administration of APIs. So if you want to point it to an API and say, go for it, um, it it's pretty much covers a lot of what day-to-day -day businesses require. I mean, I was reading a lot in the comments and uh, this is a very uh, polarizing subject. Uh, because people love what they've got. And as soon as they hear about Microsoft Defender, they either go, yep, great, does everything I need, or it turns them into this absolute devil of a person that goes, never will I ever use it. I have my XYZ uh, insert loved product here, yeah, and it kicks its ass, you know? So, um, yeah. Uh, different horses for different courses, but from our experience, it, it does what it needs to do. Do you think a, a lot of that has to do with the naming? Because Microsoft Defender comes with your Windows operating system, and people like uh, no. Look, I mean the security side all, of things. The guys are pretty smart and pretty jacked up, and they do their they do their research on it. Um, I think it, it, it it's because Microsoft over the last 10 years has really thrown a lot of effort into creating a secure platform that um, was much better than what it was before. Um, but no matter what you, you want, no matter what you do, uh, you've got people that are on Mac OS and Linux that are going to shred it. <laughs> you know, um, your biggest malware kind of space in the world is still Windows. There's not as much on, on Linux and Mac OS. Um, but then in contrast, uh, Android is the you know, biggest malware and spyware kind of platform uh, versus Mac OS, which is not, not that bad. Um, so I think it, it's, it's a fanboy type of thing. We're in this space, and so that's, that's the deal. Um, and we're forced to use Windows, which is rubbish because I know how to use a terminal and I don't need a GUI and I don't know. That's strange. Uh, Got you. I, I just wish they'd gone with uh, Microsoft Sentinel. Every time you say it, I see a picture of Keanu Reeves dodging bullets, but that's just me. When you that go down naming conventions, um, Microsoft Sentinel, that's the one I think they've got right. Um, everything else, they've pretty much not got right <laughs> i mean even naming conventions <laughs> what happened to windows 9 somebody tell me what happened to windows 9 apparently they don't like from seven to vista what happened to sharepoint 2024 or 2023 they just went nope it's premium now do you know what i mean like microsoft yeah. naming convention is gave up. is one of those places that is a quantum black hole of let's see what we throw in what happens <laughs> coming out like it doesn't make sense uh, Schrodinger's naming convention. 
can be nine or can be <laughs> ten at the same time. Um, I don't know. Why wouldn't they just name this Defender for Business? Uh, not Defender for Business. Um, a new cool name. You get Defender on your computer, and then you get insert name. Uh, Microsoft Sentinel. Taken. You get like Phoenix or something, <laughs> and then that people will be like, "Yes, I want Phoenix for business." I don't know. So what else you want to know? Are you fully educated? Yeah, so on how this works? I, I, the last thing I want to know about is the XDR. So this this tool that now defends you just natively, etc. Just take me through a little bit of that, because the first thing I think about is I'm being hacked. You know, pull out the wires, turn everything off. Um, probably not an approach for a well, large I mean, enterprise. It's always an approach. There's that that should be <laughs> something. You know, pull wires. Yeah, once this happens, but an XDR is essentially a unified pre and post breach enterprise defense suite. Um, so it lets you know that you're being hacked, and then it tells you afterwards that you're hacked. Okay, so clearly based on any of the um, the shows that I've watched, the FBI don't use XDR because they <laughs> always pull the wires. So maybe we've got well, a market I mean, there. The nice thing with XDR is obviously it, it, it shows you what's happening, shows you how things are happening. Um, uh, it gives you a feedback on active uh, attacks and what attackers are trying to do to the organization. And then it then you can put in a, a number of uh, steps to say, look, if this is happening, then we've already been compromised at this level. We need to, we need to isolate this section uh, and lock that in and then identify what's next, right? So it takes us through the, the MITRE um, steps and goes, look, you've, you've been breached because yeah. at this point now, uh, we can see someone's on the network that shouldn't be. Um, and so their next next movement is lateral. Um, your next movement should be to cut that off. So, uh, I mean, that's that, you know, that's that next level stuff. Um, and if you've got a, you know, a nice little team internally and the XDR gets, you know, alerted and kick off, straight away you can be like, all right, guys, what's the plan? Uh, it's already here. Let's go. This is what we're going to do. This is what we've trained for. Yeah. Let's go, Tom. Um, and I think any organization that takes security seriously and can be uh, financially in ruins if certain data gets out there should have that XDR uh, and that team to manage it. Because it's not, whilst it's automated, you know, automation is tricky because what then if is tricky. You've been breached. Shut everything down. <laughs> okay. So then it just automatically <laughs> down. And you're like, all right, run for your lives. And, you know, and it's like, wait, 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 wait. It was just uh, uh, the new user forgot to do X, Y, and Z and uh, thought it was a breach, but we're good. And then it's like, yeah, oh, but the drives have, you know, self-destructed. <laughs> being wild. So, yeah, you've got to... It's a little bit more complex, and um, when I let me show you something, share the screen. You know the problem I always forget is um, it's important to share the screen, but this is a podcast, so sharing the screen, all the people that are listening whilst on the helps to share while the on the road. 
are like, I can't see anything, but uh, we'll put the links in the description. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, this is this is the, the, the main little bit that I was talking about. You can have a look at what's happening and you can then see, okay, this is what actually occurred um, and how it occurred and what your next steps are. I mean, I love it. Email was delivered, but it recognized as a threat. So it said, all right, I tried to get access and uh, we we discarded it. Next one is, uh-oh, there's a, an XSS alert here, um, and it's been exploited and the, the severity is high. And so we might have a problem. Um, uh, and this is where it starts to get crazy, where you can start to actually hunt for specific uh, actions that happened on the network. So you can see that, you know, it can check to see if that email then uh, managed to get activity on the network uh, with that account. Then you can be like, yep, that phishing email worked on the network and therefore these people are now in. Um, and so I really like the idea of this extended threat hunting. Um, I think... Again, any organization that takes their security um, really as a high priority, uh, you it's a must-have. Yeah, I, I can imagine with that, that six months, because sometimes people don't know that they've been yeah. hacked. They're happily working away and their information is being siphoned off, etc. And I think with uh, what you pointed out earlier is extremely important with all of the, the likes of GDPR, uh, Poppy, Dora, all of these governance compliance frameworks coming into place. Um, losing information is a costly exercise. So, um, yeah, okay, I'm sold. I, I, I see the, the, the need. But now, Carl, you've deployed this internally at GT. You've deployed it at clients. Um, what has the experience been? What are, what are some of the learning curves that uh, you've gone through here just in terms of those, uh, those deployments, in terms of things that you have to look out for, et cetera? Honestly, it's been really fantastic, um, especially for your average, you know, support uh, engineer that's going to be deploying things for your company. Um, they've made it really straightforward. Where directly from the admin panel, um, there's a section that gives you everything you need to start the enrollment process. They will generate scripts for you that you can then go and use in your um, Active Directory policies, um, group policies on your network or in other baselines or in Intune um, to automatically start rolling Defender out to all of your machines. Um, one thing I can say is um, a lot of smaller companies might have a third party that manages their network and might be blocking certain things. I know a lot of companies like to block the Microsoft updates and only supply updates through their own internal WSUS servers. And uh, in those situations, we find that the Defender client wasn't able to actually sync up back to the cloud and say, hey, I'm active. So the enrollment process never happened and that all <laughs> went, that's up. Oh, very good. You, your antivirus is hacking you, so I'm going to stop it from working. 
yeah. yeah, that's kind of an important thing. Straight yeah. away, I think I, I remember I remember seeing the uh, the guide and said, make sure that you kind of uh, you know green flag the following uh, activity because it will get it will it will get stopped and things will break. Yeah, thankfully there is. Yes, I think uh, important learning. Yeah, there. thankfully, once you know that this is the issue, um, there is a list of uh, endpoints that Microsoft has that you can provide to the guys and say, "Hey, these endpoints need to be open so that we can have our protection, please." I like and then uh, work. Right. And you, you can also do uh, if you've got the E three plan, you can you can do a ninety day trial, eh? which is quite cool. Or is it a six month? That's trial? right. So? Three minute, uh, three month trial, yeah, for the third management, which is really awesome. You get a feel of what it all can do for you. You can have it running in passive mode while you're trialing it out. If you're already on another antivirus system. Um, so that your antivirus carries on working, but you still get all the benefits of uh, defenders oh, monitoring, no. telling you, you know what happened to what your software's got vulnerabilities, all of the good got things. hacked. Well, well, the good thing from our side is um, we're using the podcast also. You might have gone uh, dodgy there, but uh, don't close your browser. It will upload at the end, so... It will be fine. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Brad. I'm, I'm feeling enlightened uh, around uh, what, what needs to be done. And um, yeah, very, very interesting, especially in the today's world where uh, these risks are more and more yeah, common. You know what I really like about this product yeah. is um, it's, it's a step, step closer to you know, managing all the devices and securing the entire network. One of the things that we've done at GT for years is um, vulnerability assessments of our customers. Um, I've got my little hacker shirt on. Funny story about this shirt. Uh, one of our customers had moved to a new office. I put this shirt on. Um, they were bragging about how I wouldn't be able to get in through the front doors without a secure card. Uh, I was wearing this shirt, this exact shirt, and I had a clipboard. Um, and went straight to the front desk and I said, I'm here to check the following systems. And they said, oh, no, of course, yes, of course, and took me straight through the security. And I went into his office and he went, how did you get in? And I was like, I've got a clipboard and a shirt that says hacker. And he was like, I can't believe it. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, uh, the vulnerability assessments that we do, is, is one, it's, it's a one-off. And, you know, the idea behind it was you have to get them done so that you can make sure that your network's secure. But the day after we've done that and, and we've, we've, we've given you all the information and we've, done, we've delivered the report, the day after that, a new zero-day vulnerability could drop and everything we've done is now, you know, it's not null and void, but it's, it's no longer 100%. <laughs> There's something else that you have to fix. And then you could go 365 days until uh, we see that. And so this kind of helps uh, organizations see uh, vulnerabilities that are out there any day. And I think this is a better way to go. Rather deploy this, get this rolled out, and then get a team to manage the, the alerts uh, and the XDRs and, and live in that space to, to, to manage it, while you can get a team like us 
of course, uh, or you can uh, build a team internally. Um, but I think this is a m much better approach to long-term sustainability uh, in the in the security kind of world. But yes, guys, I think from a, a ten-ton potato perspective, is this a gimmick or does it provide actual productivity? Yeah, I mean, this is all the way one hundred percent actual productivity slam dunk. Um, how were you doing it before? Obviously, third party or not at all. Um, and so, yeah, I'm exceptionally happy uh, that this is out there, that it's working, that it's working well. Um, really great product. I just wish the licensing and the naming convention was a little bit more slick. Uh, but... Mm. I mean, might get away with the naming conventions, licensing with Microsoft. Uh, it's it's always a rabbit hole, but uh, it's still very affordable for what it is, um, and the protection it, it it provides and the insights, everything. So, yeah, all good from my side. Anything on your side? Cool. I'm gonna sleep better tonight. Thank you. Hey, as well. Next to your stop business. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for joining oh, thanks us. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you very much, Carl. Go enjoy reducing attack surfaces. I shall. Like a, thank you, guys. Peace in the Middle East. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us. In time, potato. Okay. Yes. See you later. Cheers. Bye-bye.